A very good Tuesday and welcome to this edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. On the show here today, Taylor Charlstrom will preview the upcoming California Plant and Soil Conference being put on by the University of California. I'll have regional and natural agricultural news beginning with regional ag news right after this word from our sponsor. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit Phycoterra.com learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. Two key state groundwater conservation programs are in the midst of public comment periods providing stakeholders with important opportunities to help shape these programs. One is the Department of Water Resources LandFlex program, which will provide immediate drought relief to drinking water wells in drought-stricken communities and limit unsustainable groundwater pumping in critically overdrafted basins. We talked about this recently. LandFlex will provide $25 million in block grants to groundwater sustainability agencies to grant farmers who limit agricultural water use. GSAs would work directly with farmers to identify land that would reduce pumping impacts to nearby wells. LandFlex will provide financial incentives to farmers for each enrolled acre. Public comments are being accepted through December 29th. The second program of interest is the Department of Conservation's Multi-Benefit Land Repurposing Program, which is working to increase regional capacity to repurpose agricultural land to reduce reliance on groundwater while providing community health, economic economic well-being, water supply, habitat, and climate benefits. Public comments are being accepted through December 30th for that program. In the latest move to strengthen the global marketing focus of the California Table Grape Commission, Maria Matalvo has been promoted to Senior Marketing Director. In her new role, Matalvo continues to develop retail promotion initiatives and consumer communication strategies to help move California table grapes throughout the U.S., Central America, and Mexico while expanding her export market portfolio to include Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. She joined the Commission staff in 2019 and has over 20 years of marketing, promotion, and sales experience. The promotion to senior marketing director is a result of continued efforts by the commission to center its marketing work around a core team of people dedicated to driving demand of California grapes and delivering key commission messaging in U.S. and key export markets, according to the commission. The Haas Avocado Board has announced its newly elected Executive Committee board members that will be serving for the 2023 board year. As of December 6th, the following individuals are officially seated as HAB Executive Committee members. Importer Jorge Hernandez from London Fruit as Chairperson. California Producer C.J. Shade as Vice Chairperson. California Producer Susan Pinkerton as Secretary. Importer Sergio Chavez from Cowmitch Produce as Treasurer. The board meets four times every Every year with a focus on industry leaders coming together to make decisions to benefit the industry. Supplies of citrus out of California are up this season. This year's supply is up about 20% compared with last year at this time, though the size and structure started out more consistently in 2021, according to Zach Lafite, president of Wonderful Citrus. He says currently supply is excellent and with good quality. Fruit size is on par with previous years, and they are seeing increasing volume of larger fruit emerging each day. The California naval season began on time this season with good supplies right away and is forecast to run through the end of 
June. Supplies are coming from the Central Valley of California. They are also excited that their caracara season just started and they are packing excellent fruit quality, according to Lafayette. He says they believe red-fleshed oranges like caracaras offer something new to the category and gives consumers a chance to try something different. As for demand, he hopes to see increases in demand given the holiday timing and more of a focus from its retail partners in the coming few weeks. That said, demand is picking up compared to the end of the summer, given how little imported fruit is in the market. The naval category has stabilized at roughly 20 to 22 percent of the consumer citrus basket, whereas it was 40 percent plus 10 years ago. He says they believe there are opportunities for growth in the naval category, and it will likely come from extending the availability of unique, innovative varieties such as caracaras. Meanwhile, in pricing compared to a year ago, prices are up slightly, though this recent increase in demand could influence prices. High costs are also affecting prices. Water and labor shortage continue to be the biggest obstacles facing California citrus. Water has become quite costly, and many naval ranches do not have adequate long-term water supply, according to Lafayette. Fortunately, most of their acreage is located in areas where there are dual sources of water, meaning there is access to both surface water and groundwater. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bee's pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, be hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be hero, superior bees, superior pollination. American Agronomy Society's California chapter is putting on the 2023 California Plant and Soil Conference in February, featuring a litany of University of California, CDFA, and USDA personnel, discussing topics concerning all types of specialty and agronomic crops and growers in the state. It's one of the most expansive conferences for California agriculture. The purpose of the conference is to disseminate scientific information but in a form that's uh, usable for the audience. So you mentioned our primary audience is consultants and growers or others and working in California agriculture. And so we bring uh, researchers, we bring practitioners, um, extension agents, uh, industry members in as speakers to talk about some of the work that they're doing in different parts of the state and uh, relay useful information for the audience to take back to their respective regions and and hopefully help uh, growers in their regions. That was Michelle Leinfelder-Miles, a University of California farm advisor who is helping to put on the conference for California growers, consultants, and other ag personnel. She said the theme of the conference will be conservation and the session material will follow suit. Our main session is going to address um, sustainability and conservation in agriculture. We're going to have two different panels. Uh, one is a panel of folks in uh, organizations and agencies who partner with growers on conservation programming. 
And then the other panel is growers themselves, growers who have put into practice some conservation practices and have outcomes that they can speak about. With that as our theme, many of our um, breakout sessions also follow a theme of conservation and sustainability. So for example, uh, we have a, a session on integrated pest management and biodiversity. We have a session on nutrient management, uh, soil management for climate smart agriculture. Those are just a few examples of uh, some of the sessions that will be taking place over the day and a half that we're there. The theme of the conference may be conservation, and disseminating that information to attendees is as important as ever, but this isn't to say that specialty and agronomic crop growers across the state haven't been utilizing these practices for years already. Leinfelder Miles has seen it firsthand during her decade-long career as a farm advisor. I have seen some really innovative work among the growers that I work with in the Delta community, but certainly there's innovative growers all over the state, and uh, some of some of them are going to be on the panel um, in the main session. So we're really, really privileged to be able to hear from growers from up and down the state on their conservation practices. But I would, uh, I guess, to that point, growers really are often the instigators of. Uh, of change. And uh, these conservation practices that I work on as an extension agent um, come from uh, consulting with growers and uh, having a, a lot of conversations and, and trying new things or um, trying to put data behind the things that they're already doing. So, you know, this, this conference is an opportunity to bring some of these growers and industry folks together to talk about these practices that we've been trying and trialing. And um, it's exciting to um, be able to convey these to a broader audience. And that being said, the audience is um, primarily consultants and growers, folks in industry, but we also um, welcome students to come to this conference and we get a large number of students participating, especially in uh, a poster competition. And the Plant and Soil Conference, one of our, another of our primary goals, not only just getting information out and disseminating uh, that information, but it's to foster um, a new cadre of agronomists in this state to encourage students who are studying agriculture to continue those pursuits into their careers. And we hope that through the poster competition, uh, through a scholarship program that we can encourage students um, to continue their pursuits working in California agriculture. Leinfelder Miles is hopeful that growers will be able to take away useful information and have a good opportunity to network at the conference. I hope that they can take away useful, uh, applied, practical information. I, I also hope that through the networking of this conference, People are able to connect with uh, maybe they haven't someone they haven't seen in a while or someone, uh, you know, that meeting new people will also help them to kind of broaden um, their knowledge. And uh, so in addition to 
disseminating information, the networking part of this conference is also really valuable because again, it's bringing together folks who are in agriculture in California. The California Plant and Soil Conference will be taking place on February 7th and 8th in Fresno, California, and registration is now open as well as hotel room rates. Search California Plant and Soil Conference on Google or go to calasa.ucdavis.edu to register today. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Chalstrom. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. With only a few days remaining in a lame duck legislative session in Congress, the push is on to get Senate passage of the Farm Workforce Modernization Act. U.S. Representative Dan Newhouse says they've been making some progress in recent days. We're making some real good progress. Some of the stumbling blocks or the challenges in the House language are being addressed in a positive way in the Senate. And so I think the number of Republican senators that are indicating support or a likelihood of voting yes is growing. One of the issues Newhouse says is farm wages. We just recently got the projected wage numbers, the percentage and the amount of increases that each state would see in the adverse wage rate. It's pretty significant for some states, 14, 15% increases over last year. But Newhouse says part of the bill limits the amount of increases. Part of the bill limits the amount of increases so that we don't see these double-digit jumps in wage rates. And so I think seeing those kind of numbers will actually help some of the senators and farm groups see the importance of getting this bill done. Some rumblings out of the Senate indicate that if the Farm Workforce Modernization Act doesn't pass this month, it will not be brought back in the next session. In response to relatively stronger net farm incomes, U.S. farm sector capital expenditures have increased dramatically in the last three years, according to research by the University of Illinois. In 2019, farm sector capital expenditures were approximately $30.1 billion. The forecasted value for 2022 is $44.2 billion. Capital expenditures include tractors, trucks, autos, machinery, buildings, land improvements, and miscellaneous expenditures. Capital consumption represents a declining balance of capital stock or economic depreciation. The ratio of capital expenditures to capital consumption increased from 1.06 in 2019 to 1.70 in 2022. The data implies that farmers have used a portion of their strong net farm incomes in the last few years to replenish their capital stock. The changes in expenditures during the last four years have differed among expenditure categories. Specifically, increases were larger for tractors and machinery than for autos, trucks, buildings, and land improvements. The Department of Agriculture has announced the new Agricultural Science Center of Excellence for Nutrition and Diet for Better Health. The virtual center is part of President Biden's cancer moonshot effort to end cancer as we know it. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says the virtual center will connect existing resources, including people and programs to leverage expertise and increase coordination and cooperation. USDA is enhancing its research to focus on precision nutrition science to better understand the needs of underserved communities. The World Cancer Research Fund claims 30 to 50% 
90% of all cancer cases are preventable by following a healthy diet and lifestyle. Public-private partnerships are important for future supply chain strengthening and ag production growth in Africa, according to USA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack at the recent African Nation Summit. The U.S. and Africa have long worked together through government-to-government relationships, business-to-business relationships, but it is truly through our public-private partnerships that most impactful work is in fact done. And Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack Wednesday moderated a panel at the U.S.-Africa Leaders Summit in Washington, D.C., focused on how these public-private partnerships can play a role in both increasing ag productivity within sub-Saharan Africa and strengthening supply chains to global marketplaces. Africa holds great potential, and each country offers unique opportunities for these exact types of partnerships, particularly within agriculture and the agribusiness sector. Sub-Saharan Africa's ag sector employs two-thirds of the region's population and is responsible for 14 percent of the area's gross domestic product with the region's agricultural growth rate higher than other regions in the globe over the last 20-plus years. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. A new collaboration offers southern cotton growers a chance to participate in carbon markets. The Ecosystem Services Market Consortium, U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol, Manulife Investment Management, and Forum for the Future have announced the effort last week. The collaboration launched an eco-harvest pilot project in Alabama, Arkansas, Texas, and Tennessee. The project will work with cotton farmers to generate high-quality carbon and greenhouse gas credits on more than 2,300 acres. Cotton producers targeted for enrollment include those implementing conservation practices such as nutrient management, reduced tillage, and cover crops. Once producers are enrolled in ESMC's eco-harvest program, ESMC quantifies credits and arranges third-party credit verification by a global certification body. Corporate buyers can purchase these verified credits to help meet their supply chain sustainability targets. Participating farmers who may be new to private voluntary ecosystem markets linked to conservation practice adoption will develop knowledge on and the ability to participate in markets. For more information on the program, log on to ecosystemservicesmarket.org. Two agriculture groups made oral arguments recently on a case in federal appeals court that could determine the future of the herbicide dicamba. On March 15, 2022, the Environmental Protection Agency announced approval label amendments that further restricted the use of over-the-top dicamba in Iowa and Minnesota. Those changes were made to federal labels for Extendamax, Ingenia, and Tavium. The American Soybean Association and the Plains Cotton Growers Incorporated filed a petition for review with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the the District of Columbia Circuit in St. Louis, Missouri on March 24th. In oral arguments before the appeals court on December 8th, the groups asked the court to clarify jurisdictional rules under the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, and Rodenticide Act and to require the EPA to use the best available science when evaluating dicamba pesticide registrations and potential impacts to species protected under the Endangered Species Act. The EPA's decision to revise the federal label in consultation with a Camber registrants for state-by-state needs was considered to be unusual. It stems from EPA's new policy of no longer permitting states to add further restrictions on a pesticide via Section 24C special local needs labels. Now states that want to further restrict dicamba must work through their own state rulemaking or work to create federal label amendments with EPA and registrants. In a petition to the D.C. Circuit, the ag group said that the actions taken in March violated FIFRA, 
ESA and the Administrative Procedure Act by imposing registration conditions that exceed statutory authority and are arbitrary and capricious, an abuse of discretion, and are not supported by substantial evidence when considered on the record as a whole and are not otherwise in accordance with the law. The groups asked the court to remand the amendments back to the agency. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.